0: This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions.
1: The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frac site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Energy Pipeline podcast. Today, we're fortunate to have Russell Treat, CEO at Interact Energy Services and host of the Pipeliners podcast as our guest. By the way, cool name for a podcast, Um, Russell. Well done. Uh, Welcome to the Energy Pipeline podcast, Russell. Thrilled that you took time to visit with us. So I know that you are a proud Aggie. Would you mind uh, taking a few minutes and give us your full background with uh, 45 years in the industry?
1: Yeah, well, thanks, KC, I appreciate it. So, um, yep, graduate of Texas A&M, back in the ancient days of 1980, uh, worked as a civil engineer in the Air Force uh, and as a combat engineer in my last assignment. Did civil engineering long enough to know that that wasn't really my passion, uh, the part of civil engineering I liked was messing with the computers and, and figuring out software. So um, got out of the military. I worked in cryogenics for a while, uh, liquid CO2, liquid nitrogen, that sort of thing. Um, and then uh, after about three years out of the military, I started my first business and merged into a company called Software Marketing and would look for software products that we could commercialize. And I've been doing software in the engineering world ever since. And I've been doing nothing but oil and gas since 98 and nothing but pipelining since about 2005. Now, you have a uh, uh,
0: a strong background in gas measurement, correct?
1: Yeah. I, so my... Uh, one of my jobs, I started in the early 90s. I ran a software company that was building uh, software for back-office measurement accounting, so kind of bridging between the the measurement in the field and the measure, you know, the final numbers going to the general ledger in the accounting systems. Uh, and from there, I've you know, I've started doing work in the field and commissioned meter sites and set up telemetry systems and gathered electronic flow meter information and over the years I not only did gas I did a lot I've done a lot of liquid stuff particularly around NGL a little bit around crude and, and refined products but um, yeah I've, I started out in measurement and kind of migrated into SCADA and that because of the, I had those two things that kind of took me into leak detection and yeah been around the block a bit one one thing begets
0: another begets another begets another
1: right. Well, leak detection is one of those things that you got to know a lot of things to be able to do leak detection. It, it's it to be a it's a very hard thing to start early in your career. Sure,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. I know mass balance isn't exactly the the fine art that someone thought it might have been back in nineteen seventy eight. But um, anyway, we can pursue that in a minute. Let's talk a little bit about uh, interact for a second. So. As I understand it, we basically have three software provider components in Interact. You've got uh, all of it under that the umbrella of Poems, P-O-E-M-S. You've got Intercess for control room operations, CGI for field measurement operations, and then the PI Confluence for. Support integrity management. So, am I close in describing? Yeah,
1: I'll kind of, I'll kind of walk through for you what what we do. So the the whole vision of Interact is to provide systems and solutions to help pipeliners operate more effectively and with a higher degree of safety performance. So that's that's the whole mission. So. Uh InterSys is a company that I started in 1998 and it focuses on the control room. Uh we originally the company was a control systems integration company and when the control room management rule came out, which was 2007 when it started to kind of make its way through the rulemaking process, 2010s when it was published we really started diving deep into what all that was. So Intersys is now a leading provider of tools for control room management. So it's all the things that are needed to be done in the control room that are not SCADA. So logbooks, tracking abnormal operating conditions, uh, scheduling the controllers, monitoring for deviations to for fatigue purposes and all that. Um, Gas Certification Institute, GCI started in 2000 and it started out as a company doing training of measurement fundamentals for technicians and then evolved into writing standard operating procedures to document the procedures that need to be followed. One of the things in measurement is to get a good mass balance. Your field practice has to be consistent across your operation And that can be very challenging when you cover a lot of geography. So uh, one of the ways around that is really good and very specific standard operating procedures for the field practice. And then we also have a product called Muddy Boots which enables you to schedule and do all the record creation around all those field activities. Um, And then lastly, PI Confluence. I actually bought PI Confluence from its founder in uh, 2020, um, and it has process management and stakeholder engagement tools that address the program aspects of transmission integrity, distribution integrity, storage integrity, damage prevention, stakeholder awareness, and you know those say those other safety programs.
0: The industry is head and shoulders above where I was back in 1976 when I worked at. Gas control out at Hockley for Tennessee Gas Pipeline on the the graveyard shift. Or remember when I was a kid and and CNG was building their gas control systems uh, four stories below uh, the old. Uh, I, I think it was the old uh, municipal building in Clarksburg, West Virginia, because they were worried about the Cold War and and all of that kind of stuff. I have stuff. been in
1: both. I've been in both of those control rooms. Yes.
0: <laughs> One of the one of the things I loved about being out at Hockley and working the midnight shift, I could get a round of golf in before I drove back to Houston. So it was always yeah. enjoyable.
1: Yeah, the golf course is still there, but the control room is gone.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. So when we talk about your software and control rooms, are we talking about that type of situation, gas control? Or are we talking about yeah.
1: controllers
0: at MCC buildings and, and that type of thing? or it's
1: pri- Primarily our tools are designed for those guys operating regulated pipelines that have to conform to certain regulatory requirements. So with the Interact Energy Services and POIMS, and so POIMS is kind of the umbrella software brand that stands for Pipeline Operations Excellence Management System. You might find this funny because I know you have a little quirky sense of humor. My whole idea there was I could do all the marketing in Limerick's. There once was a pipeliner from the from Nantucket, you know, take it from there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the, the whole idea is what we call natural compliance. So natural compliance means I write my program and then build my systems such that my systems cause me to follow my procedures and create the records I need for compliance. And then operations effectiveness kind of builds on that and says, and I have the ability to analyze those records to determine my performance, both in terms of getting the outcome I'm looking for and ensuring I'm not getting the outcomes I don't want. At the
0: end of the day in operations, if you don't have a document that says a task was performed during a FIMSA audit, the task wasn't performed because you don't have That's the right. documentation to prove that it was done, and 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 you help a, a great deal with that that uh,
1: yeah. review. Yeah, and the, really the whole the whole idea. I I think I believe that our industry is going to get to its next order of magnitude improvement in safety performance through management systems i think we've we I, we're going to continue to see improvements in all kinds of inspection technologies image technologies uh, other things but those are going to be incremental improvements around integrity management and if we want to step change improvement in safety performance that's got to go to management systems so that's really what we're what our vision is, that's what we're trying to do. And we're looking for ways to constantly looking for ways to where's the research opportunities, where's the new development opportunities, where are the problems that we think we can solve through management systems. So, you know, when you think about compliance, yes, you've got to have, you, know, you got to have a policy. The policy has got to say the right things. You got to create records and the records got to demonstrate that you're following the policy and the procedures. Right. and, everybody's doing that some way, but there's efficient ways to do that and inefficient ways to do that. And then lastly, if you're going to really going to improve performance, you need those records to capture data that you can analyze in order to improve performance. So just having a piece of paper is not enough. You got to get it someplace where you can do analysis on the data.
0: Oh, I totally get it. Totally get it. So, so with this and talking about the control room, With your software offerings, that carries over into integrity management as well.
1: Yeah. and Well, now, to be clear, our software in the integrity management world is process-centric. So, it's process management. So, if, if you think about, well, what is the inspection process? Well, I have to determine when I need to run a tool. I've got to run a tool. I've got to do data analysis, I've got to identify features, I've got to analyze features requiring excavation, I've got to excavate those features, you know, so on and so forth. So our our tools are designed to make sure that you're following a structured process in a structured way and that each step of the way you're capturing the records and data that are required.
0: So now there are caveats May not be the correct word, but ways where certain operators of regulated pipelines do not have to run Ili tools; they have to follow certain procedures to um, not do that. And and it's a very difficult and and tedious process, from what I
1: gather. Are are you seeing anyone follow that, or is? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean. Yeah, I'm just using one example of a, of a ILI tool because it's something that a lot of people can kind of wrap their mind around easily. But all of the safety programs require companies to put in place processes and all of those processes require certain records to get created. So ICAM, which is our product for uh, compliance management at the process level what What it is designed to do is to document the process and then ensure that it's being followed and that the right records are being captured and the right questions are getting asked. So and that works across ILI, that works across direct assessment, that works across distribution integrity, um, you know, uh, damage prevention, all those safety programs have multiple processes. And all of that stuff can be done through iCam.
0: Wow, very, very uh, detailed, very powerful software you're talking about there. Um, So does this this carries over to field operations? Then you said something about muddy
1: boots. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So um, I'll tell you a little bit of of the story around that. So muddy boots, I came across uh, through. One of the organizations I'm involved in, in gas measurement, they showed up at one of the measurement schools. I was really fascinated by what they were doing. They built a software product that, well, in Canada, there's this thing called Title 17. Title 17 requires that you have a schematic drawing, a, flow, a process flow diagram, basically, for every oil and gas site that's operated. So they built software for that. And then after they had that working, people started saying, well, I've got these drawings here. Why can't I use this same software to track all of my maintenance activities and my site visits and all that sort of thing? So over time, it's become a kind of a very comprehensive field activity management system. Um, We were looking at building something to provide that and came across Muddy Boots. And we were looking for something that we could apply to pipelining. And make a long story short, we negotiated a relationship with Muddy Boots and became their exclusive distributor of the software in the United States. Um, And we integrated our control room management tools. So if I have an alarm, I can automatically generate a work order And it shows up in the to-be-scheduled part of Muddy Boots. So the field guys go, oh, hey, the control room needs this done. And it just seamlessly drops into their system. And then Muddy Boots is all designed to work offline on a smart device. So a tablet, But you can do it on a laptop, but it's all internet-based. It's all browser-based. If I drop my internet connection, I can still collect all my data. And then as soon as I get back into an internet connection, it syncs it all back up to the host. So it's all optimized for being used in the field. And it runs on your phone. It runs on a tablet. It runs on your laptop. And and it runs without internet connectivity, which is no small thing in a lot of the places where guys like us work.
0: Sure, sure. I got that. So uh, we both know that the majority of pipeline leaks are created by third parties, and that I believe it's now all 50 states and X number of provinces in Canada have the uh, law requiring that you call before you dig and do the 811. I I assume your software allows for recording that if um, uh, an operating company went out to mark a pipeline to say that it was
1: done and then yeah we have customers that are that are um using our software for that kind of purpose um you know it's a really that's a really interesting question casey so i i view that there's different levels of maturity in these kind of solutions so if i could talk about muddy boots for a second so started out as something for diagramming process flow diagrams and then became a field activities tracking system. A lot of companies out there will have one system for tracking the things they're doing for regulatory compliance, another system for tracking what they're doing for machinery, another system for tracking what they're doing for meter calibration and sample gathering. The whole idea of Muddy Boots is we put all that together in a single system. But there's a distinction between having the ability to capture a form, and having a well-defined, comprehensive process around marking for dicks, Right? If that if that makes sense. So we have people that are doing it, but where I have we, where we have a very mature process around control room and control room management, kind of cradle to grave, comprehensive. Some places we have things where people are using our tools to do that, but we really haven't matured it holistically yet. I mean, that's part of what we're always trying to do. So, I mean, I, I'm taking this down a rabbit hole, but you know, it, it to me, this is there's a there's a real need for very well thought out, seamlessly integrated solutions. Because if I'm in the truck and I'm you know I'm doing a PSV check, well, I can also do a site check, and I shouldn't need to go to two systems to do that.
0: Sure, sure. No, that makes perfect sense. I got a uh, telephone call last month from someone who was upset because the pipeline company came out one time and marked the foreign pipeline crossing that that these people were working around, and they were disappointed that they wouldn't come back after they cleared and grubbed and graded the site. I said, no, you know, these these, uh, operating companies want to come out and mark the pipeline, but then it becomes your responsibility as construction goes on to note where that is, and they've done their job, they've got a record of them doing their job, now it's up to you to maintain that until you finish construction. The liability is yours. So, you know, it's just a, a not so much a regulatory issue as a liability issue from the operating company perspective. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is one of the things that that I have found, particularly in doing the Pipeliners podcast and talking to a lot of folks that do things I don't do. There are so many highly vertical, very technical disciplines in our business that all need to work together, and they all have very unique requirements about how they do their jobs and the data they need to collect. It's really quite complex.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... So let's let's uh, go ahead and talk about the podcast for a second. If you go to your website, uh, Pipeliners Podcast, and you look at your guests, all of the guests are lifted, listed in alphabetical order, and I find my name on page
1: twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I guess we could. I guess I could do something in the software and do it reverse alphabetical on op- alternating days or something like that.
0: So, so, so I understand. Well, the point is you've got a well-established podcast. I, I've enjoyed being a guest on your podcast and I appreciate you, you thinking of me there, but uh, there, there's got to be a way that your podcast fits in with the rest of the interact effort that you're, that you're doing.
1: Well, it's, it's, um, it's, it's interesting, Casey. I, you know, I, Prior to rolling out our control room management solution, we were very well known kind of in the Gulf Coast and Permian area um, for projects we had done in the midstream space. But we weren't broadly known throughout the pipeline world. And I knew that for us to really walk into the vision I had for the company, we need to be much more broadly known. And the other thing I knew is it was important how we were known. We needed to be known as trusted peers in the industry, right? So I learned measurement by going to measurement schools, sitting in the classes, and then finding the smart dude, carving them out, and quizzing them and quizzing them and quizzing them. And I, as I was thinking about, well, how do I get known, but I don't want this to be promotional. I don't want it to be cheesy. You know, I want it to be meaningful and useful. Um, I said, you know, I learned measurement this way. Why don't I learn? I need to learn a lot of other parts of mining to walk into the vision. And if I want to do that, why don't I just record it? <laughs> that would make a good podcast because then I'm not the only one learning. So that was really the genesis of the podcast. And, and it's really way exceeded what I ever had a vision for when I started it back in 2017. Uh, there are thousands of people in our business that listen to this regularly. I know there are operators that mine the episodes. They use them for onboarding engineers. They use them for training. Um, they, you know, there's, there's some episodes we've done on incidents. I know those are used and team training exercises and things like that's really become an asset and a resource to the industry. Um, for people that are not familiar with the Pipeline Podcast Network, there's actually three podcasts there. There's the Pipeliners Podcast, which is the flagship. Uh, There's also the Pipeline Technology Podcast, which is a collaboration with Pipeline and Gas Journal. And there's the Oil and Gas Measurement Podcast. And all that library is searchable. Um, There's a transcript for every episode. Every episode has a dedicated page with shows and links to resources. Um, There's an area where every Crazy buzzword that we use in pipelining is decoded. So there's definitions for all the acronyms and terms that we use in this business. So um, it's really quite a resource. And I've had people tell me that they got they were new to pipelining, they found the podcast, and they were just so grateful that they were able to learn about the business.
0: Can you uh, can you give us a link?
1: Yeah. So the Pipeliners podcast is just. Pipelinerspodcast the net the the show side kind of the or the network site is pipelinepodcastnetwork.com.
0: Excellent. 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 Okay, good, good. Um, getting into regulatory for a second, if you don't mind. I know you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry. I also know that you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening from a regulatory perspective. So, so do you see something, some things new in this arena that, that you'd like to discuss today?
1: well I, I think the thing that's probably most topical is the leak detection and repair rule that's currently wa- making its way through the rulemaking process with PHMSA. Um I've made the comment that this is not really a pipe safety issue it's really an environmental issue um, not everybody would agree with me on that um, I, I just you know full disclosure but it's there's a lot bound up in this. It's a, big, it's a big rule making, a lot of consequences. It's going to require all operators of gas pipelines to have knowledge of all their leaks and to have a plan for repairing all their leaks. It, it's, it's basically going to be a zero emissions thing. Now, that in itself, I think everybody in the industry would agree that that's a, you know, that is a good goal to, for our industry to, to aspire to. Uh, there's a lot of concern about some things in the rulemaking you know requiring us to use fifth generation technology when that ge- that technology is not yet new maybe not adequately addressing cost benefit of really doing this level of leak mitigation on lower pressure lower size lines um, so there's there's a lot of just pushback about well, Not should we do it, but how we do it and what time frame we do it. Um, It's going to be a big opportunity for a lot of folks. Um, It's going to be a big challenge for a lot of folks. (laughs) Both those things.
0: Good, good, good. Well, we've gone down the list of everything I wanted to talk about. Russell, is
1: there anything else you want to uh, throw out there? Well, I just want to say congratulations for joining the oil and gas global network and and taking on this podcast, uh, I think you're going to do great. Uh, I think you need to talk a lot about your family history and pipelining and your grandfather stringing pipe on mill chains. If you don't have a podcast on that subject in detail with photographs and everything else, I'm going to be highly disappointed.
0: Well, uh, I, I uh, will tell you, I've, I've asked Tom Meissner to come on and visit about the history of pipelining and I suspect we'll trade stories back and forth.
1: Yeah, that would be good. Well, you got to talk about your dad too. And, and, uh, all the work he did with orifice plate meters and, and how he was a pioneer in, in that business as well. And for full disclosure, when I was a young kid in this business, I met um, Ken Yost, Casey's dad. So um, great, great man. One of the one of those gurus that I went and talked to and carved out and asked a whole bunch of hard questions of, and he knew every single answer I could come a question, come up with a question for, so...
0: He was he was very big in the AGA three committee and mm-hmm. and then uh, worked real hard with uh, uh, Bruce Schrake and a number of people here in Houston right, back right. in the sixties uh, working on thermal measurement. I mean that was that was cutting edge technology in the sixties.
1: Yeah, and those, those guys have a huge legacy they left for the industry, and we we forget their names sometimes. But the Gulf Coast Gas Measurement Society and the American Gas the American School of Gas Measurement, which few years ago celebrated its 50th anniversary. Those are the guys that founded those organizations and got them going. They they have trained, and because of that, they have literally trained tens of thousands of people in the industry and in the business. You know, that I is- remember
0: as a kid in West Virginia, uh, seeing people from Houston fly up into Benetton Airport and then drive on up to Morgantown for the Appalachian uh, Measurement Short Course. And. Oh, yeah. And slash golf tournament slash golf tournament
1: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely but anyways what I, what I would say uh, k say is look congratulations I wish you all the best uh, if I can help you in any way to help you be successful with what you're doing just let me know I'll be glad to do it um, it you know there's lots of need for lots of good content and good good information for us pipeliners that are trying to make things better for us and those that come behind
0: thank you russell thank you thank you so anyway so um if anyone wants to learn more about interact you can find them on the web at interactenergyservices.com. dot com.
1: correct yes sir that's a great place to start and you can kind of learn about learn about all the things i got my fingers in
0: <laughs> very good. Very good. So thanks to all of you for tuning into this episode of the Energy Pipeline podcast sponsored by Caterpillar. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for podcast topics, and Russell's already thrown out a couple for me, feel free to email me at kc.yost at com. I'm interested in, in comments, feedback, ideas, uh uh, want to expand the horizon. It's it's very important that we work on knowledge transfer. Russell's done an outstanding job. I I hope to uh, someday be as uh, capable as a podcaster as he. So I uh, also want to thank my producer, Anastasia Willison-Duff, everyone at the Oil & Gas Global Network for making this podcast possible. Find out more about the OGGN podcast at OGGN.com. So this is KC saying goodbye for now. Have a great week and keep that energy flowing through the pipeline. Thank you all. Come back next week for another
1: episode of the Energy Pipeline, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.